Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, WandaVision's Hex just got a whole lot more interesting. Will we like going back to the Borderlands? And is it time to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz, once again? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and also as well, the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He's our own castle PCC of pop culture cosmos. You got to catch what he's doing today on the Twitter and Instagram at castle PCC. It is my good friend. Indeed. It is Marcus de la Garza. What's up, man? Hey, man, I got that name change going into the Friday episode. It was nice. Just so the folks know one more time. Castle PCC with a K on Twitter and Instagram. I will be there. I will be doing things. I actually have a full kind of remodel rework of my office coming up that I'll be documenting on Instagram and Twitter, as Gerald likes to say. The Twi- Twitter. It's going to be fun. I'm getting back into the freestyle drone racing and the, or just the freestyle drone flights and the drone racing and everything. I have a little more room on my desk now after I get this refresh going. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to try and keep the people apprised of what's going on. It's 2021, man. I'm trying to move forward with my life. Let's go. That's the way to do it. You got to look forward. You got to look better. Look upon a different horizons. Just try to go ahead and have a better year in 2021. I know a lot of people are looking forward to what's going to go on for them this year as well. Speaking of things that we are redoing, reigniting, refreshing, we're refreshing our Twitch page. So if you catch us, Pop Culture Cosmos, at Twitch, on our Twitch channel, we're running a whole bunch of streams there now over the next few days, next few weeks, and hopefully next few months. There's a Curse of Strahd going as we're taping this broadcast right now. So if you're into Dungeons and Dragons, The Wizards and Wine, Curse of Strahd, Vampires and Vitae, Demolition Force, Fall of Haven, so much more, Mass Effect even. So if you're interested in role-playing games, plus also we're going to go ahead and every now and then pop a PCC multiverse up there for you as well. We'll just go ahead and let you know that you can catch us each and every week right on our Twitch channel, Pop 
Culture Cosmos. But it's going to be a great episode we've got for everyone else out there today as Marcus just untwines all the different cords and cables. We've got Noe and Fine from Honey Queen and the Honey Outcast. He's going to go ahead and talk about WandaVision, episode six, plus also saw Mario 3D Worlds, plus Bowser's Fury. He got a hold of that, that latest new game from the Nintendo Switch, so he's going to share his thoughts on that. My own daughter, Ellen Glassford, has some thoughts on WandaVision, episode six, so we'll hear from her as well. CD Projekt Red gets held up for ransom. Did they pay it? Or what happened to their source code for The Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk 2077? We'll give you an update on that. A Borderlands movie is on the way. Some big name stars are attached, but I'm going to ask Marcus if he has any concerns like I do that the true essence of Borderlands is going to be lost in this new revisioning of what's going to become a Borderlands movie. Plus, we'll also be talking as well a new Wizard of Oz we're off to see The Wizard, A Wonderful Wizard of Oz, a reboot, a remake, a reimagining of the classic Wizard of Oz is going to be happening. So we'll talk about exactly if that's a good thing or a bad thing coming up on the back end of the show as well. But first off, my friend, HBO Max, you wanted to start off with this first. They're positioning themselves as a adult cartoon center point for a whole bunch of good stuff coming on the way for animated features and series and from what they had with their success with adult swim if everybody out there remembers adult swim and the success they had with that in the 90s and 2000s they are going to bring a lot more adult cartoons on the way to hbo max similar what we've seen already from the likes of netflix so I want to hear your thoughts on HBO Max going in that direction. Sure, they've got a lot of kids-oriented animated features, but the success they had with Adult Swim and Space Ghost Coast to Coast and so many of the shows that they did there, Robot Chicken and Whole Nine Yards, really helped set up a new type of animation. I mean, it helped popularize it along with what we saw from Ren and Stimpy, The Simpsons, and all the other stuff that we saw, Family Guy, and so much more. But I want to hear your thoughts about HBO Max going with a ton of more adult cartoons, and one in particular, which we'll be talking about here in a sec, that's made Scooby-Doo fans go in a big uproar. This is a great move by HBO Max, incorporating all these pieces of, of intellectual property. You know, grabbing the Adult Swim library was outstanding, man. You've got the Boondocks, you've got Rick and Morty, you've got all the way back to Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, you've got Aqua Teen Hunger Force, you've got Metalocalypse. These are great titles that, you know, I'll say when I was in college, 2007 through 2012, these were really big hits, especially for everyone in my generation. So the fact that they're going after more titles like this brings people of my age group and maybe just, you know, and definitely a little bit younger into that fold. So this is recapturing that entire user base that was really, really, really in love with, you know, all these shows that really made Adult Swim what it was. And let's just say that they've continued the march forward with Rick and Morty. You know, there's other things that they're doing now with, what is it, Close Enough, which is a Max original that just got renewed for season two. And then they've got the Velma show that's coming out soon as well. And I know we're going to talk about that in a second, but I mean, just looking historically at what they have in their portfolio right now, they've got some really great things. Squidbillies, I, I left Squidbillies out of that. 
you know, there's some really great Cartoon Network Adult Swim titles that have been incorporated to HBO Max. And all this is going to do is continue to grow their user base. You know, this is something that you and I have talked about ad nauseum when it came to HBO Max was you have to have the content to make people want to pay for this service. And it looks like that's what they've done. They've really given people the content they want to see and the content that they need moving forward to keep growing this user base. The Velma show though is really interesting. And we kind of briefly discussed it before going on the air that, you know, you've, we've always had this more adult view at the Scooby-Doo characters, even though they were a traditionally children's cartoon. So it's nice to see that HBO Max and, and, and really whoever owns the IP there has seen this and they've decided that they're going to push forward on it. And I'm okay with this, man. It, this is something that it's targeting a user base that's already familiar with this entire franchise, but at the same time, giving it a, a fresh take, a more adult take on it. So I'm okay with uh, what they're doing here. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to see if they're willing to push the bounds even further than what they've already announced. Sounds good to me, my friend. I do like the fact that HBO Max first greenlit Velma, which is going to be based off of Velma Dinkley from the Scooby-Doo series. I know a lot of Scooby-Doo fans out there are really applauding this somebody that or at least a character i should say that a lot of people have appreciated and felt has gone underappreciated for quite some time so it's great that they're going to build a series around her and her exploits they're also going to be doing fired on mars they've also ordered two seasons of clone high which is a reboot of the lord and miller series that one aired originally on mtv so they went ahead and said we're going to go ahead and, and reboot that Plus, also as well, close enough, like you said, they renewed yeah. for a new season. But yeah, HBO Max really has done a great job of hitting the buttons, so to speak, for their audience. They understand Disney Plus is closing in on 100 million viewers. Netflix is already over 200 million viewers. They need to go ahead and make an imprint into what's going on with the streaming marketplace and find their own niche and adult swim and creating those adult cartoons are one way of doing that. Yes, it's a great time to go ahead and be an HBO Max viewer. Not only are you getting for this calendar year, all these movies that they're putting on day and date yep. is a great sign for them. Not so great for the movie industry. They're not exactly in love with it, but it's great for the viewers. And plus the fact that they're also concentrating on other avenues, like I said, with Adult Swim, it's a great move, a great step in the right direction. And I'm looking forward to seeing what HBO Max can deliver and how much by the end of the year, once these shows start rolling out, maybe by the end of the year, maybe in spring of next year, how much that affects their subscribership as far as how much can they gain on both Netflix and also Disney+. Plus. Hey, man, I just want to take a, a quick step backwards and just say, if you haven't seen the trailer or the six-minute video for Fired from Mars, amazing i laughed so hard at that and it was one of those things it was like oh man who thinks of this while it's not entirely relatable you know because i haven't been fired remotely <laughs> i did find it quite entertaining so it's worth the watch if you guys uh, have a chance to go watch that six minute cartoon you can find it i'm really looking forward to the debut of that show though well i'll tell you what my friend by the time people hear this on podcast and radio outlets everywhere i will drop that trailer on the Pop Culture Cosmos news feed on Facebook. So you'll catch it right there for you and be able to check that out in its entirety. But they're finding the things that over the years has made them success, or at least they've gotten success from, and double downing on it. DC, 
straight to HBO Max day and date as far as the box office. And now they're focused again on Adult Swim and adult content in animated features. So definitely looking forward to seeing what HBO Max can deliver in the next few months, few weeks, and also over the course of the next year with HBO Max. What are your thoughts about HBO Max bringing a whole bunch of adult cartoons to their platform? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. there's still so much to talk about my friend once again Noe and fine and Ellen glassford will be coming up on the back half of the show but before we head to that i wanted to ask you this my friend wandavision episode six it's on the way but before we talk about that my friend cd project red they basically had their source code that was stolen from them by hackers and those hackers held CD Projekt Red up for ransom. I want to hear your thoughts on the source code for not only Cyberpunk 2077, but also the source code for The Witcher 3 being stolen, being held up for ransom, and being auctioned off reportedly for several million dollars on the dark web. Yeah, this is definitely one of those things that as CD Projekt Red hit their failure thresholds for the release date on Cyberpunk 2077, you know, we watch people get mad and I'm not saying this was the right thing to do by those people, but those people got mad and they decided to take action. And whoever it was, whatever hacker collective this was, took control of the source code for Cyberpunk 2077, as well as the remastered unreleased Witcher 3, I believe, as well as a few other things, including HR files for CD Projekt Red. You know, this is one of those things. You want to take the, the IP hostage, you know, the, the Witcher 3, the source code for uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Great. Don't ruin the workers' lives by releasing their private personal data. It's one thing to go after the actual product. It's a different thing to go after the people. And so I don't sympathize with these people at all as far as who, who carried out the attack. But I do want to say that this is indicative of what happens when you release a, a product that's not ready. And you're going to see a severe backlash. And unfortunately, at times, the internet has no rule set. There is no common rules of decency when it comes to warfare on the internet, uh, traditionally. And so uh, this is what's happening. And so I hate to see what's happening to them. But at the same time, they kind of got what was coming to them. I, I'm not endorsing it, but at the same yeah. You, you know what I'm trying to say here, Gerald. I mean, I'm assuming that would help give that type of impetus for the hackers and their reasoning behind it. But... Are you saying that they deserved what they got for? I don't, I don't think they deserved you know, it. Uh, yeah, it's it's not that they deserved it. It's that, you know, it was almost expected, right? Like they released such a rough title that you knew something was going to happen here. Or at least I, I thought something was going to happen here, whether it was they just got roasted online just endlessly, which they did, or something was going to happen where they got hacked and they lost a whole bunch of access to something. It just felt like the stage had been set for the people to take action into their own hands, more so than just asking for refunds on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. 
Well, I mean, I'm just going to say that I don't think they deserved it. And like you said, it's really troubling that they stole even the HR files with people's names and information on it. I think that's extremely disappointing and totally wrong to do. If they had a heart, they would have just returned the source code and also the HR files and leave it at that. But again, this was all about greed. This is all about money. This is all about what we can do to manipulate the system and double down on getting back at not only CD Projekt Red for their mistakes with Cyberpunk 2077, but also as well do something that they thought they could profit off of. And apparently from all reports that are out there that said that they auctioned it off as far as the source code is concerned for The Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk 2077, that they did profit off it, which sends a terrible message to everyone out there what you can get away with that crime in this case does pay and we've seen in recent months where crime is is paying a lot more than than what it should so i'm very disappointed by seeing the source code getting out there and being sold off and i do hope that the perpetrators do get caught i mean obviously that will be very difficult for law enforcement to do and i'm not sure if it'll ever happen but again it's just something that Crime, unfortunately, paid off in this sense. I just hope it isn't a precedent and that other development studios, like people will start stealing all the stuff for GTA 5 or GTA 6 or Uncharted 5 or whatever, you know, the next video games or whatnot, and they'll be auctioned off as well. So I hope this puts... Oh, go ahead. I was just just going to say, I I agree with you there, Gerald. I'm not trying to say that... You know, and, and I know that I've got the extreme point of view there that the CD Projekt Red might have deserved it based on what, what was going on here, but they don't deserve the HR files to be ripped out and have people's lives turned upside down because of that. You know, it, it, it is one of those things. You know that the retribution from the internet is going to be swift and it's going to be extreme, especially when you put out a product as unpolished as they did with uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Well, no company deserves this kind of for any reason, as far as it's concerned. That's stealing. That's theft. That's that's something that, right. that shouldn't be done. So, I mean, it, it be that as it may, for any reason, it, whether you're dissatisfied with the product, just return it and go on your way and don't buy from them again. That's as simple as that. But for me, it sends a message, a clear message to all those other development studios out there and publishers and things of that nature. Protect your source code. I don't know what you need to do. Put it on some sort of like cryogenic lockdown or something. Does this speak to the bigger issues there, though? Like, why was your source code this exposed? Yeah. You know, like, and that's that's what is really ping-ponging around in my brain. I work for a technology company. Our stuff is locked down to the extreme, you know, albeit I do work for a home security company, but I mean, you should have locked down all of your stuff to the extreme. And the fact that it was out there may be indicative of some larger, maybe systemic issues going on at CD Projekt Red. Put that sucker away. Put it on a thumb drive. (laughs) Go take it down to the local bank. Put it in a safety deposit box. Turn the key. You know, hear the clank of the uh, cage that's and and also the tightening of the locks and all that. So it's locked up. Good. That's what you need to do, my friend. That's what you need to do. I mean, that source code is really your bread and butter. And to have it gone like that and stolen like that, that's just wrong that it got stolen in the first place. But it's also shows of a bigger issue of conceitedness where just thought that nothing could happen like that well unfortunately we live in a world now where things like that can happen 
What are your thoughts out there on CD Projekt Red, their source code for The Witcher 3, and also as well Cyberpunk 2077 getting stolen and being sold off for auction on the dark web? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the half hour break, my friend, and Noe and Fine and Ellen Glassford coming on the back half talking about WandaVision, we want to take our turn talking WandaVision. Episode six got a whole lot more interesting, and the hex itself, as it's called, got a whole lot larger. So I want to hear your thoughts. Spoilers are going to be on the way from here on out on WandaVision Episode 6. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go ahead, pause us for now, watch the episode, and then hit play and hear our thoughts on that. But my friend, I want to hear what you have to say with WandaVision Episode 6. Yeah, I think uh, we left ourselves with a few hanging theories last week. And I, I think a lot of that, or I, I don't want to say us, I, I left myself with a lot of hanging theories at the end of last week's episode. And I probably shouldn't have done that because it's starting to come together now, this whole story. And I'm looking like an idiot, but it's okay. It's okay. We're going to get through it. And the only thing that's plaguing me is I'm going to be a little upset when we have to watch vision, maybe die a second time. You know, this is one of those things that watching what happened with the episode this week, Vision makes him his way outside the hex, and being classic Vision is always concerned about everyone around him. Uh, what we find out throughout the episode is Wanda's basically put the rest of the world around them on pause to reduce the loading time for the <laughs> for the area that she's actively working in or those that she's trying to control are actively working in. As Vision walks around his neighborhood without Wanda in a secret, what would you call it, a secret plot to uncover what's going on or what? How would you reference Well, that? he just basically didn't tell his wife where he was going. He told his wife, Wanda Maximoff, yeah. he told his, his wife that he was just going to go ahead on the local neighborhood watch for Halloween. And it was kind of weird because it was supposed to be the kid's first Halloween that he wouldn't want to be a part of it. Because I know for me, it killed me when I couldn't be a part of my kid's Halloween's. And that first, because I was running a Halloween store. So I know that killed me when they were very young. We had to make some special arrangements just so I could spend some time on Halloween with them. But that seemed kind of weird in the first place. But we found out why he was doing that, because he wanted to go ahead and explore what was out in Westview. And eventually we would see him try to make an attempt to leave Westview. And that's something that I think a lot of people were seeing coming We've seen a little bit of behind the scenes on that in trailers and whatnot that that was going to happen where he was going to try and make an attempt to leave Westview. But what was interesting was as you get farther away from where Wanda is actually doing stuff, performing, you know, having her scenes right in the middle of town, as you expand closer to the edge of town and also the edge of the force field, it gets less and less active because they're almost like extras that aren't needed at that time well that was my reference to like it's like we're putting everybody else on pause to reduce the loading time in the zone that she's actually working in right yeah. like this it feels very video game mechanics to a certain extent it's waiting until you occupy a zone for those characters those npcs to load yeah. and everything to happen right like that's the feeling i got watching last night it's just wild to think that she's got an entire town full of people 
basically on on a load screen right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and to, and to watch what happened with Vision. And sorry, I I don't mean to cut you off there. You were giving oh, a, a great recap there, Gerald. But it was just like, you know, it's it's wild to watch what's happening, especially with Catherine Hahn's character. It's obvious everyone's tortured. You know, we saw that previous episode. We saw it again with Catherine Hahn's character this episode. People are being tortured by what's going on inside of Westview, but it's not clear what we need to do to let them go. And that's where, you know, it really hurt my heart to see Vision crawling outside the hex and begging on behalf of the residents of Westview. Absolutely. And the sword agents there, along with the head of sword, not really being sympathetic to that plight. They more worried about trying to go ahead, seemingly anyways, on the surface, trying just to reclaim Vision and utilize him once again or see what they could try to do to possibly use him as a future weapon or or things of that nature which is the reason why scarlet witch found him at a sword base in the first place where they were trying to work and see if they could go ahead and figure out what makes vision tick and try to utilize for their own purposes so sword is not exactly 100 to be trusted just like S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't 100% be trusted, as we've seen over the various movies in the MCU. So uh, it's it's very interesting to see where this cuts off. And then obviously it led to a, another confrontation between S.W.O.R.D. and Wanda. So it led to Wanda, once she was told by, I think it was Billy? Yep. Or was Yeah, it's that, that Vision was in trouble outside of the Hex. She expanded the hex and expanded the hex to cover him, but also cover virtually everyone in the surrounding facility as well. So now the hex is even larger and everyone on the base, except for the one vehicle which carried the leader of S.W.O.R.D. Yep. And that's the only individuals that got out of it. And then, of course, also who left 10 minutes earlier, Monica Rambo and Jimmy Wu, who are... I guess on the way to a ridge to meet up with somebody, an engineer who might help them find a way to get into the hex safely. I think that's what we're going to be seeing on the next episode, I'm assuming. Those are the only individuals that were able to escape the expanding hex. Darcy Lewis, who stayed behind after her, Monica Rambeau and Jimmy Wu were all exiled because of their constant interference in S.W.O.R.D.'s plans. They split up after they found out exactly what was going on because Darcy was able to hack into the computers, speaking of hacking from what we were talking about earlier. And basically, Darcy Lewis was able to find out what was going on, plus also what was going on with Monica Rambeau and her condition of going back and forth through the barrier. That was something of interest as well that could lead her to her photon character. So. Yeah, it's 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 wild to see that the hex itself is actually modifying the genetic code of the people that have gone in and out. I would love to see what long-term exposure, you know, i.e. the residents of Westview, what it does to their genetic code. Do I'm they sure. all become mutants? Do yeah. they not? Is this the way that we open up the multiverse here, you know, by creating some mutants and bringing in some other characters and maybe recasting somebody within the own story here? I, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'm just trying yeah. to point out some flaws. Here. Yeah, but it was interesting to see how she expanded the hex and what got expanded from it with all the sword agents becoming circus performers, per yep. se, and clowns. I think there's a joke in there somewhere. Darcy Lewis, who was trying to help Vision, got captured by S.W.O.R.D. and was unfortunately swept up in this hex. But 
before she could go ahead and reveal what she was going to be turned into, we didn't find out. So uh, that's upcoming. I don't know if it's on episode seven or episode eight or nine, but I'm sure we'll find out what she was turned into here in an upcoming episode. I, I like that. Say, I can't. I can't imagine she's going to be a clown. She's going to have her own character. She's she's been outstanding thus far as an actress, yeah. and I think that you know you got to keep her power rolling. She's going to have something different at a circus that stands out. Some type of different performer, whether it's like a trapeze artist or a fire breather or something. She's going to be something different, something special that stands out in that circus atmosphere yep. there. But it is going to be very interesting. But one last thing I want to ask you, my friend, is Wanda's brother, Pietro Maximoff, who was prominently featured in this episode as well, with Evan Peters trying to tell you but not tell you exactly why he's there. Because he didn't exactly tell you why he's there specifically. He alluded around to it. And even though Wanda tried to go ahead and test him, if it was actually Pietro from the movies and the MCU right. that she knew, he didn't exactly answer it, which kind of still leads me to believe there could be something that more than meets the eye right there for you. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I've, I've been kind of holding back on this entire idea that there's a little bit something more here that somebody else is controlling, that this isn't all Wanda. And I'm starting to be on board with you and this idea here, Gerald. You know, that's one of those things that watching what's going on with Pietro there's something weird with this storyline. I know that we're going to learn something really cool in the next episode or two as it relates to him, but I think we're in this really cool holding pattern right now, trying to figure out where he stands, what's going on with him. It feels like it's more willing to have Evan Peters as Pietro willing to call out Wanda's flaws and insecurities more so than anybody else that's been involved in Westview at this point in time. Absolutely. So the plot thickens for WandaVision. Not only does the hex get larger, but the mystery around Pietro remains. And what can anyone do about this? And who will be dropping in? Because they're still hinting at more surprise entries into the realm of WandaVision. So we're going to continue to update on that for you. Plus, right after the break, Noe and Fine and also my daughter, Ellen Glassford, are going to have more thoughts on WandaVision Episode 6. So... What are your thoughts on WandaVision, Episode 6, or the series as a whole? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up after the break, like I said, it is Knowing and Find from Hunnic Queen and the Hunnic Outcast. He's going to share thoughts on WandaVision, Episode 6, plus the latest Mario 3D Worlds on the Nintendo Switch, plus Bowser's Fury is on it as well. Can't forget Bowser. Plus, also as well, my daughter, Ellen Glassford, has her thoughts on WandaVision as we continue our detailed look week by week at the Marvel Cinematic Universe through Disney Plus and their first efforts in WandaVision. So we're going to talk about Episode 6 even more coming up after the break. And then we're going to close out the show, Marcus and I, talking about a Borderlands movie and the wonderful Wizard of Oz. We'll be off to see the wizard at the back end of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. 
Well, he's back. One of our preeminent contributors to the pop culture cosmos has returned to us. He is the man behind Hunnic Queen and the Hunnic Outcasts. You got to go ahead and catch him today on Facebook at the Hunnic Outcast or Hunnic Queen. It is my good friend indeed. It is Noah Ian Fine. And Noah, I, I know you want today to talk about WandaVision. Also want to talk about Mario 3D Worlds with Bowser Fury. And also, I didn't tell Marcus, but I'm going to sneak this in, the Justice League trailer as well. So we'll start off first with WandaVision. Your thoughts on Episode 6. I think my only complaint, because every episode of WandaVision, I love the 50s, I love the 60s, 70s not so much, 80s wasn't too bad, but this late 90s, early 2000 was perfect casting chemistry. And one of the biggest problems I think I have with this is that once it's taken out, because you got sword in the background, even if this series only has nine episodes and it doesn't have a season two and it just goes off into Doctor Strange and the multiverse, we have some great ideas. And I'm really hoping that these actors will be spread out through the MCU. Again, WandaVision is not cut, copy, and pasting. They're doing a nice little homage dedication and it works so well. So, yeah, I, I am definitely excited to see how this is going to continue. Because from what I understand, I think with Nine, they did say there'll be some sort of happy closure, but it will continue on to Doctor Strange Multiverse. So I'm kind of hoping, or, or Spider-Verse, you know, Spider-Man 3. So I'm hoping that something will at least continue. But all in all, this is definitely one of my favorite. I mean, this doesn't seem to be a crappy episode. I can say that. I can definitely say there's not one episode that I thought was a waste of my time. But the only thing is... No, no they were all reasonably good. They were all reasonably good to great. And that's yeah. why I've enjoyed this. Even the, the first episodes which then, were nice homages to television gone by. And I appreciate it for that and that fact alone. But going forward, my friend, there's going to be a lot more to talk about. But we got to go ahead and move on real quick to your thoughts on Mario 3D, Bowser's Fury, that latest game that's out on the Nintendo Switch. I know a lot of people are talking about it. It is Mario 3D Worlds plus Bowser's Fury. So go ahead and tell us your experience on this great new video game for the Nintendo Switch. Well, this is actually started off as a Nintendo 3DS game, and it was so popular it found its way on the now-defunct Wii U, and because of Mario's 35th anniversary, we finally got this port to the Switch. I think next to Galaxy, this is my second favorite 3D game. And I'm not a fan of, of 64, and I'm not a fan of Sunshine, but Galaxy and 3D Worlds works, because 3D Worlds takes a, a mixture of Mario's 1, 2, and 3, Mario World... Pretty much all the Mario games, except for the role-playing game and the Paper Mario games. And pretty much what it is, it's your classic world. The biggest thing is that you get this great power-up, the cat suit, where you could scratch your enemies or do a dive bomb or hang on to ledges in case you're going to fall off a ledge. You can grab onto it and quickly climb back up. But this is one of the more solid ports, I should say to a old-school Mario game. As for Bowser's Fury, Bowser's Fury is only a three-hour mini game. 
you stay on this one island inhabited by cat creatures and some of the Goombas are, are cat people. Bowser pretty much fell into this black substance. Bowser Jr. and you team up and he's either AI or a second player can play as him. And you pretty much go to different parts of the island to get these little cats shine sprite things. Once you get a certain amount, you go up to a giant bell, Mario turns into a giant cat creature, and you have a 400-foot Bowser versus a 400-foot Mario, and you keep doing this until you eradicate all the goo. It's challenging, it's short, but it's definitely innovative. So between these two titles alone, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. It's got a lot of replayability value, you could save at any time, but the only con is going to be this. It's a 3D game, so you have to really pay attention to the depth perception and the collision detection because it's not a 2D. So you have to, if, if you jump on a turtle and on the shell and you try to go kick it somewhere, be very careful. It's a 3D game because you may accidentally kick it into a wall, kick it back into you when you jump from point A to point B on a ledge, be very careful where you run and jump, but is it rage quitty? No. Is it easy to beat? Again, uh, it could take you minimum 8, maximum 12 hours, because again, as in Mario 64, each sub-world has these three light green stars, and you'll need a certain amount of them to continue out throughout the game. But, they're very easy to obtain. You don't have to get all of them. But if you want to, it takes a little longer. It just makes the game a little longer and a lot more fun. It's definitely worth your time. Pick it up. Last but not least, my friend, the latest Justice League trailer dropped for Zack Snyder's reimagining, or his original reimagining, or whatever you want to call it, of the Justice League. That trailer dropped today as we're talking about this. So before we head on out, I just want to hear your thoughts we got a real look now at Darkseid and the whole nature of his nefarious plans towards capturing the Earth. So I want to hear your thoughts as far as what you saw out of this latest trailer for the Justice League. Darkseid still feels like a cameo to me. I, I know there's this debate between him and Thanos, and rightfully so, and I get that and I understand that. The problem is, is that I put... Dark side up there with Bane, where in the comics and even the animated series, he's a phenomenal character, but on the big screen, Hollywood writers still don't know what to do with these characters or even what to do with Dark Side. And, and it's just going to be, I feel, a walk on. He's not going to fight the Justice League, or at least I don't think he is. And as for Jared Leto's Joker, it's a different take on it again. And I guess because a lot of people might have complained about Suicide Squad. I don't know if we're ever going to get a sequel to Justice League. So it doesn't really make me stand up and go, yeah, because of everything that happened a few years ago and everything that's probably happening now. So, I mean, I'm a gambler. I watch it, but it's still not as making me go, yay, because we still have our pats as Batman. So... I, I don't really know where this is going to fit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's all I got for this one. Once again, it's Noe and Fine from Hunnic Queen and the Hunnic Outcasts. Please catch all of his thoughts on anything in pop culture at his awesome Facebook group, Hunnic Queen and the Hunnic Outcasts. 
Well, my friend, it's been sensational having you on the show once again with your thoughts on WandaVision, Justice League, and also Mario 3D Worlds, plus Bowser's Fury on the Nintendo Switch. I look forward to hearing you again real soon. You got to come back on with your constant updates here at the show. So it's got to be an expectation, man. You got to come back on the show, right? Well, as a matter of fact, not only will I be coming back, I have a nice little announcement because not only am I bringing back my show next month, I came across a comic book of Barkley versus Godzilla. And this is going to kind of build up the Godzilla versus Khan that I know has still got pushed back for March, except for I think about a week. And let's not forget, we had discussed Justice League, I'm sure. We are definitely going to discuss the Snyder Cut because we have to discuss the Snyder Cut. But anything else that's going on, well, I know we still got what's left of WandaVision because that's not over with yet. And we still got Loki and, and Cap and Falcon. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that you and I will be discussing and stuff I will be discussing solo. But we'll get there when we get there. Plus, I got to go ahead and run some old episodes on the Hunter Queen on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. So I will start grabbing one or two of them and throwing it out there. And so people can check that out. So people will be able to go ahead and remind themselves of how good your show was, The Honey Queen, as new episodes comes out next month. So you can look forward to hearing classic episodes of Honey Queen right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, it's been great to have you on the show once again. Cannot thank you enough for being part of it. It is no Ian Fine, the mastermind behind Honey Queen and the Honey Galcast. Be part of those great Facebook groups today, wherever you get your social media. Noah, it's been great having you on the program. Looking forward to bringing you back right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And I'm back with another update and thoughts on WandaVision Episode 6 with my lovely daughter, again, the preeminent pop culture expert in the Glassford household. It is a returning Ellen Glassford, and Ellen, WandaVision Episode 6 took a new turn and expanded the hex even further. Were you surprised at what happened in Episode 6? I was. The addition of Evan Peters to the series really kind of changed everything not just in the show itself but it changed the dynamic of the show and the pacing of this episode was really fast there was a lot of things happening as this episode but it was also really exciting and took a lot of exciting turns it did one of the better episodes in the series so far to date and i thought it was a great way to go ahead and expand the stories for a lot of the individuals not just wanda herself in fact, in many ways, she kind of took a back seat to what was going on, even though everything is still centered around her and her actions. But it was nice to see Vision's development as far as him getting even more curious about what is outside of Westview. We also saw Evan Peters a little bit more explanation without fully 100% explaining who he is, where he came from, and all that. Because again, he is playing and portraying Pietro Maximoff, but is it the, the Pietro Maximoff? We still don't know 100% for sure because he didn't exactly answer all the questions that Wanda was asking. What really stood out to you as far as episode six and where it goes from here? The thing that stood out to me most about episode six was definitely Evan Peters and Pietro in general. 
he kind of threw off the family dynamic there. He asked so many questions and kind of broke the fourth wall a bit. He is much more aware of it than everybody we've seen. So it's really going to be interesting to see who this character is, if he's going to be Pietro, if he's going to be the Quicksilver from the X-Men movies or somebody else. I honestly have no idea who he is, but Evan Peters portrayed his role and this stereotype uncle in the sitcom. He did really well with it, and I'm so happy that Evan Peters was in this. And of course, somewhere in the next three episodes, we are going to find out what happened to Darcy. Darcy is now under the spell of the hex. She was unfortunately caught in the crossfire, so to speak. What do you think would be the best avenue or best platform for her in this new reality in the hex for her? I think she's going to be sort of how Monica was. Basically how she got more scream time as opposed to the other citizens of Westview. I think Kat Dennings is going to do a good job with whatever sitcom they give her. She probably will play just sassy character but in the sitcom world and it should fit in with the late 2000s like 2010s modern family vibe that they're going for in the next sitcom episode it seems Kat Denning should fit in whatever role she's given since she's done sitcoms in the past it would be so ironic if they actually had her play a waitress like her role for many years on two broke girls it'd be funny if they had her go ahead and do that so we'll wait and see what happens, but I am intrigued, and I know you are as well, Elowen, for the future of what is WandaVision, how the next three episodes will close out. But any last thoughts on WandaVision Episode 6 and what's coming up in the not-too-distant future and beyond? I think we all still have a lot of questions that need to be answered in the next three episodes. I heard that these next three episodes are going to be an hour long each or close to that, so hopefully... We'll start to get some answers because we have so many questions about how did they get into the hex in the first place. And Pietro brought up so many more questions in this last episode. And what's up with Pietro and other things like who was Jimmy Woo's missing witness that he came to Westview for originally, which I think we're going to see in the next episode. Who is Monica Rambeau's person that she's contacting, the engineer I think that might be a really fun cameo, so I'm excited to see what happens next. As am I, my dear, as am I. Once again, it's Elwin Glassford giving you another additional update on WandaVision Episode 6. The plot definitely thickens with this episode, and the telling and expanding of stories for a lot of characters other than Wanda Maximoff herself was truly appreciated and also is a great way to go ahead and get things spiced up for the last three episodes of possibly the first season. I don't know if we're going to go back to it, but this season of WandaVision. So I'm looking forward to seeing how these next three episodes close out and how it will provide the basis going forward for the Marvel Cinematic Universe with a possible tie-in to the multiverse, the possible tie-in to what's going to be told in the future how the Avengers going forward will be structured, possibly leading into the X-Men, Fantastic Four, and so much more. All these possibilities are being broached with this current series, WandaVision. 
I'm looking forward to seeing how it closes from there. Eloan, just truly blessed to have you back on the program. And I'm looking forward to next week, you stopping by and sharing your thoughts on WandaVision right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis and we're back to close out the show's pop culture cosmos cannot thank enough Eloin glassford and knowing and fine for stopping by on the show but before we head on out my friend the borderlands movie movie based off the popular video game series which i guess is now really cool to be a part of because a couple years ago video game movies were persona non grata or yep. persona non budget or persona really trashy now being part of a video game movie is oh kind of cool right now. Looking but, into Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and there's other movies to be even. I mean, this is not the first time. I mean, there's just been a series of video game movies oh, yeah, that yeah. I mean they earned their reputation for all these because Hollywood just never really understood how to make a good video game movie. But that's another story in its entirely. That's another conversation for another day. I want to go ahead and talk to you about the Borderlands movie and how it's shaping up with Kate Blanchett, Kevin Hart, and his friend from Jumanji now playing the role of Claptrap in Jack Black. So I want to hear your thoughts on how great this is shaping up as far as from a casting standpoint, but not for just from a casting standpoint, that's great and all, but with the overall movie, is something going to be lost in the making of this film that Borderland fans might get upset over? That's a concern of mine as well, Gerald. You know, Borderlands has always attracted that, I don't want to call it the fringe group, but, you know, that group of gamers that is looking for that dark humor that... Uh, Josh loves the series. Yeah, dude, it's it's an outstanding series, man. It's, it attracts a certain kind of person. And yeah, I think that certain kind of person is worried about the overall impact here when you put it into a movie form. But why not take the risk here? You know, this is something that could drive eyes back to the franchise itself. This could reinvigorate the franchise. And to look at who's been associated with it, you shouldn't be worried right out the gate. You've got Jack Black. You've got Kevin Hart. You've got Kate Blanchett. You've got Craig Mazin, who he was behind the script for Chernobyl. And he's actually going to be working on HBO's The Last of Us. And Pedro Pascal is going to be Joel on it. So that is really exciting. I'm on board, Gerald. This is going to be a, a fun time. I am a little bit worried, like you asked. But why not come into this with open arms? You know, it's it's got some really good talent that's been associated with it so far. Let's just keep pushing with it. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Uh, again, I'm excited still for it. I just think it's going to deviate somewhat from what we're used to in the video games. How much we'll wait and see, but I am encouraged that they're putting a lot of weight behind the Borderlands movie because if they didn't, they wouldn't have this type of triple A cast. So, you know what? I'm really enthused by the casting. I'm enthused that the studio is actually putting and investing time and money into it. Of course, is it going to deviate? 
I think so. In it the, has to. Yeah. It has to in the movies. I mean, just Hollywood, that just they do it just because. I mean, sometimes it's for the best, sometimes it's not. But most I think sometimes it's for the worst. <laughs> yeah, most of the time it's for the worst. But sometimes it works out. But yeah. I will say that I'm excited for a Borderlands movie, and I know Marcus is as well. What are your thoughts out there on how the Borderlands movie is shaping up with the great casting calls and the outlook towards the movie as a whole? We want to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for being part of it. But before we head on out, you and I are off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz, because a wonderful Wizard of Oz remake from New Line Cinema or a new adaptation or whatever you want to call it. I don't even know. It's hard for me to keep up with these days, how they want to reword it, reimagining, remake, whatever. But The Wonderful Wizard of Oz is being redone again with one of the people behind the Watchmen series, which we loved so much, the Mm -hmm. HBO series that was so fantastic and was my number one TV show of the year, just of inkling ahead of The Mandalorian. That was, And that's Nicole Castle. I've... You got to listen to our shows, man. You'll find this out. Well, but yeah. I, and by the way, shout out to a fellow castle with Nicole Ca- Nicole Castle there. You know, yes, she spells uh, it a little bit differently, but I mean, yes. she's still a castle, so I, I'm on board with her. But Nicole Castle is going to be heading up this reimagining of the Wonderful Wizard of Oz. I know there's going to be again, like we talked about with the Borderlands movies, some differences from the source material. The question I have for you is: Should they be heading down this yellow brick road? It's been quite a bit of time since the last remake. I believe it was the 70s. We did something with... Well, The Wiz, yep. I think that was really good. I, I really enjoyed The Wiz. I'm just going to say that. I, I thought it was just a, a really fantastic reimagining. Plus, the music on it was was sensational. At that time, I was I was really floored by how good it was. Yeah, it's been a while since we touched it in that respect. you know. And, and part of that, it had been a very long time. Is it at that point now where we rehash this IP? You know, one of the big complaints I had in 2020 was unoriginality when it came from movie studios. However, there's an appropriate time for it. And we've had a significant enough period of time that has passed that I think it's okay to go after The Wizard of Oz again, especially with somebody like Nicole Castle, who took really the Watchmen world and brought it to life in that HBO series. You know, that's that's one of those things to me that she created an entire visual story that really let you get lost in that TV show, you know. And so to see what she did there, to know that what she can do with The Wizard of Oz, you know, based on what we've seen with Watchmen, I'm on board, Gerald. This is going to be a fun retelling or a fun remake of The Wizard of Oz. And I'm hoping that, you know, she continues her success because this is a piece of intellectual property that deserves to be done well, always, no matter what, just based on its historical success. And let's honor Judy Garland the right way we, that we can and, and just you know make this an outstanding movie. Well, they've already tried a different slant. You remember in the last decade, James Franco did that Oz the Great and Powerful, yeah, which I know yeah. you're you're not liking too much, but it made several hundred million dollars and it, it was a success at the box office. So it, it did, man, but I just I wasn't a huge fan of it and and for some reason it just it didn't scratch that classical itch that I wanted out of that. 
right? There's something about this. I'm hoping that even with Nicole Castle's ability to put a new spin on something or to give it that visual representation that maybe you haven't had before, that we'll still have that respect for the classics and we'll still have that feeling of nostalgia to a certain extent. Also, I want to say that I know that the original filming of the Wizard of Oz back in the 1930s and some of the things that it represents in, in today's culture, there's a lot of people that are not happy with what happened at the time that it was, was made, uh, some of the things that it represents. So they would be on board with a reimagining of it to make it you know, updated for a modern audience. But does making a new reimagining of the wonderful Wizard of Oz, does that discount or diminish anything from the legacy that so many of us have with the wonderful Wizard of Oz? The so many years that we watched it on television, so many years after it reached its first success. I know it has issues. So does Gone with the Wind. So does many other classics from that time. I, I don't think we need to remake everything. And just try to erase everything and throw every, all these other older projects under the rug uh, like that. But I'll leave that up to you, my friend. Uh, I mean, if my kids want to see it, I'll see it. I have no problem seeing it. Plus, if it's something that's going to generate buzz in pop culture, I have to go ahead and see it. Because I want to go ahead and, and share an opinionated view on this show. But I'm concerned that we just want to go ahead and remake everything from the past, whether it was good or whether it was bad or whether it was uh, something that was controversial now or not, and sweep everything that was done in the past under the rug. It is perfectly okay to put a disclaimer in front of a movie or TV show that was recorded or filmed back when a certain cultural trope or cultural norm was acceptable that is no longer acceptable, right? Like it's okay to put a disclaimer in front of that TV show or movie and tell me, hey, this is offensive. Here's why it's offensive. Here's why we want to put this uh, disclaimer there. I'm okay with that. I think this is genuinely just a new attempt at going at this franchise. And I'm okay with that for right now. I reserve the right to change that opinion. If we get closer to release date, we see some of the trailers and we just see that it's just a whole bunch of, um, what's the nicest way to put this? Malarkey. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I, and it's just, I'm hoping that it reaches a younger audience. If it fascinates them, and it gets the younger audience, kids out there excited into a new generation being interested in the wonderful Wizard of Oz, then it's done its job. For the most part, most younger audiences have never seen the wonderful Wizard of Oz. So if this reignites the passion for this story, for these characters, for this adventure, then you know what? Far be it from me to go ahead and say otherwise. And I would love to go ahead. And if that's the case, if if younger audiences are fascinated by it, then let's go down the yellow brick road once again. What are your thoughts out there on a new Wizard of Oz coming to theaters at some point in time in the not too distant future? Are you ready to go ahead and travel down that yellow brick road once again? Are you ready to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, we made it through another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Once again, I want to thank you for stepping in for a good friend, Josh Peterson. Congratulations again. He got married this past weekend. He did. And yes, uh, I want to go ahead and again publicly congratulate him and, and continue success and love for him and his beautiful wife who are going to hopefully live a long and happy life together. What are your thoughts, though, on the way out? 
You know, honestly, I just kind of want to echo your sentiment there. You know, very, very, very big congratulations to Josh. Happy Chinese New Year. Everybody have a great February. Get your work put in on yourself so that you can have a productive rest of the year. And last thoughts going out on our topics for today. Keep an eye out for WandaVision, Episode 7. I think we're going to have some really, really, really cool information that breaks. Episode 7, Episode 8. Keep your eyes peeled. I think uh, the Easter eggs thus far have been great. And I do want to give some really, really, really big props to Elizabeth Olsen. She's done a wonderful job holding that same acting style that all the actresses that she's been replicating throughout the decades. So I look forward to see what they're going to do next. But you're right, Marcus. February is a great time to go ahead and renew again. Happy Chinese New Year to everyone out there, to those who celebrate it. Also, as well, it's Black History Month, so please let us honor it and pay respect. So it's a great time for our culture. It's also a great time for pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Marcus de la Garza, this is Gerald Glassford. It's a beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. My name is Mark McCray, and I'm the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. I'm Dan Klink, co-host of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives features programming trends from the 1966 television season all the way through the last hurrah of the early digital age of the 1990s. On the show, if it's animated, we talk about it. Order your signed copy today at tbsool.com. And listen to the podcast at esonetwork.com and all podcast platforms. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.